Hey, everybody. It's Mike Carlson from Podcast the Ride. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Scott Gairdner. Hello. And Jason Sheridan. Hey. And we've got a little announcement. We sure do. Yep. We're launching our new podcast on an app called Spoke to give Spoke. you three exclusive episodes. Can you believe it? Three. I can't. Yeah. Don't don't believe it, but it's true. Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. Well, how does that work, though? Well, I'm going to explain. The Spoke team handpicks the best moments from tons of podcasts and creates playlists of clips so you can try a bunch of shows out and find something new to love. So they're all grouped by topics or themes is what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for figuring that out. Thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, you could try like a playlist that's uh, like about music being decoded when it's playlists with clips about unpacking and analyzing and figuring out how people make songs and what. why are they so cool, you know? They also have one uh, called Spoke's Perpetually Single Playlist, dedicated to podcasts about relationships, or lack thereof, in my case. Sure, Jason, don't put yourself down. I want to, I want to, all right. (laughs) (laughs) There's all sorts of things is what we're trying to say, and Spoke has, like, fun exclusive content from Feral, like our podcast. Uh, So you definitely don't want to miss these special episodes. Download Spoke now, free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of Podcast the Ride's exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash podcast the ride. That's the address. Uh, Check it out. Spoke. It's time to spoke. Yeah, we're spoken. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable, you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. If you like my uh, theme music there, that's a band called Les Blanks. Check out more of their stuff at lesblanks.com. If you haven't listened to my show before, it is... uh, just what the title there implies, it's a conversation with Matt Dwyer, who is me. And I talk to all kinds of interesting people, uh, and hopefully we learn some things and we laugh and, uh, uh, you know, explore life, is what I hope, and or explore a person's life. Uh, today I speak with uh, Andrea Portis, who uh, this is actually her second time on the show. We're discussing her new novel Bury This, which uh, at the very top of the interview, she does a reading of it. Uh, I just finished it, actually, a little bit before the interview, and it's a really uh, it's a really great read. It's uh, really well-written uh, and poetic, and I just, uh, it's a real, it really jumps out at you, so uh, please check out Bury This. Um, but before we do so, uh, I just, uh, I don't know, hey, just want to tell you what's going on with me. Uh, just suffering through some bad allergies here. Living in Los Angeles, where the air is crappy and something's always in bloom, is just almost kind of like having a constant cold. That's really what L.A. life is. I'm just in constantly one state of sniffles or coughing. And it's fun. I'm coughing. I should take up smoking as much as I cough in Los Angeles. Does that make you people want to move out here? And breathe in some of that great brown weather? Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, also I think... Uh, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't told a lot of people this, um, but I think uh, uh, this. By the time this airs, I will have done this show. But I'm doing a show tomorrow in Los Angeles at the R Bar. Um, it's their sixth anniversary show, and I am probably ninety nine point nine percent certain it's going to be my last stand up show in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't think anybody's really uh, groaning or upset by this. Uh, I have a couple road shows left, and I might do some more road shows in the future. Just, uh, frankly, folks, for the money, because I'm a goddamn whore. But I just, uh, you know, uh, I just don't think it's, I, you know, I think my day has, uh, you know, as Steve Martin said, you know, you can only do stand-up so long until someone asks you to sit down, and I, I think I'm asking myself to sit down. Um, I... 
it's the last thing I think of creatively. I never sit down and like, hey, man, let's come up with some stand-up bits. Uh, I just, I've been doing these shows on the road, and uh, I've met some great people, and I've had a lot of fun, but I just, I get up on stage, and you know, I just, I don't give a shit. (laughs) And also, it's like, it's weird, because it just... Uh, I, I have a lot of anxiety before I go up on stage and it just, it drums up all these, these, these feelings, uh, you know, and of inadequacy and, you know, stuff that I've worked hard in my life to overcome. And I'm just like, why do I subject myself to this? (laughs) It's like, it's like going out with a girl who, you know, is going to cheat on you. And, uh, it's like, why do you keep going out with this girl who sleeps with everybody? (laughs) It's, I just, uh ready to end this chapter in my life. And speaking of chapters, you know, I'm working on a book, so... And that's really all I give a shit about. Like, I get furious when I have to go somewhere now because I'm just like, hey, man, you're taking me away from my my book, my sweet book. And, you know, by the way, there's nobody else in this world working on a book. Nobody. I'm the only guy working on a book and certainly the only one that's viable to be published. Um, And speaking of, we we talk about a lot of publishing, so why don't we just get into this great... Conversation with Andrea Portis and her most recent novel, Bury This. The white laid out over the sloping hill, the sun just above the horizon in a yellow glow glare. Never gold, on a freeze, black tree, silent morning like this. Fifteen below windchill and the tombstone sticking out of the milk sprawl ground, sporadic, no grid here, as random the plots as the snow around them. Some trodden, lots of visitors. Some bare as an ice rink, no visitors. Long dead. What did you make of it? Does it matter now? What did you collect? Anything good? Is it with you now? some buried in great grand family orchestrations with giant granite obelisk. Fisher, Macon, Collins. We were in it together. We were a family. We meant something, once. Some, just the two of them, husband and wife. We stayed true. We fall and rise as one. Then, also, the lone gravestones with nothing around, no prints, nothing but the scraped black trees and the shadows drawing long in rectangles for companionship. What did it mean, any of it? What did I do wrong to end up alone and snowprintless here? Or do we all end up alone, really? Then the angel field near the gates, reserved for toddlers, infants, and children. The ground crying, too. Don't fill me. Don't fill me with that. And all beneath the pale oatmeal sky with streaks of silver, streams of yellow-white strands masking sunrise. Wake up! But no one will wake up here. A stubborn lot. The granite making stretch square shadows down the snowfield. Limitless silence. A thousand questions to each stone square. No answer. Hooray. <laughs> we got it. Um... <laughs> Your, the book is very, I don't know, it's very poetic and it's very beautiful, and as we talked pri- just prior. <laughs> but the, there's very short, like, chapters and sentences, and and you said you, when you when you wrote it you were pregnant, so you had a lot of time. So I had a lot of time, and um, and I was um, writing it. I write, I write longhand when I write you literary write fiction. On a, really? No. I mean, if I'm writing a screenplay or a YA, I'll write on the computer. That's a YA. Young adult. Uh-huh. Which is my book that's coming out in the fall is you a got YA. A, Jesus, you're prolific. I know. I got a, a Harper Collins YA coming out in the fall, September second. Oh, people, what is that called? That is called Anatomy of a Misfit. Okay, because I've read something about that t- just today. You did? Maybe Where? it was on your Facebook. It might be. I mean, they're like they're like. It, I've had two indie. You know, I had Unbridled Books for Hick and Soft Skull Press for this, and for Barry this. And um, for Anatomy of a Misfit, which is Harper Collins, it's like it's like a whole different operation. Like it's like they're just on it, and like I'm already getting the galley. Like it's completely crazy. But that's a different book, so I'll come <laughs> in. I'll come in next time for that. But I write longhand, so I was writing very this longhand, and it's just so strange what happens. Like I just sort of write it out like this. 
this spell that just happens and it's just kind of when it's done it's done does it help you channel your more poetic side i think writing a longhand does actually i do it's like this weird fever and then you just and then it just sort of starts when i'm because i write right right when i wake up it starts and then it just goes until it's done and then that's it and and the sort of the style that it's in did they did that start coming out immediately with this idea or it's kind of did i mean the the that the first the first the overture or whatever is sort of slightly different than the rest of it in the language and i don't really know why that is that's sort of the first thing that came out but it 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 definitely sort of I don't know how where the language came from. Honestly, it just was like it was like a very intuitive process with this book. It didn't feel like I was sitting there like, oh, like, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking write something good. Like it was just like I would write for a day. I would, you know, like in the morning and, you know, write like three chapters or sometimes more less if it wasn't going well. But I and then I'd wait a day and then write, you know, and it just kind of just went along as a, on a, on a, as a steady clip until it was done. As in, when if it's not going well, do you force yourself, or do you just like say, "Fuck it, I'm out of here"? Um, I try to force myself a little bit, but if it's just like, if it's making me feel bad about myself and about <laughs> my abilities, I kind of just like throw it away, or I don't throw it away. I just kind of put it away because it's just like I feel like it's more destructive to try to force something than to just say like, "Okay, I don't have it today." Whatever it is, it's right. just not happening. Because it was interesting. Because when I was reading it too, I was trying to like. There was part of me that was trying to figure out, like, what is, what is the info? Like, I was like, is there like a noir thing? Like, because the because a lot of the dialogue, a lot of it clips, right? And it has, I, I don't, you know, I don't. A lot of it's very clever and poetic, and like, it's very. I mean, it flows really cool. But I don't know. I don't know if I explained that well. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, like a little noir because I mean the fact is it's like I mean it's so not a whodunit, but in a way it is. I mean there one the 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 is is that what the, is that the MacGuffin? Is that what people say? <laughs> like the the question mark, the thing that's that kind of right. keeps you interested mm -hmm. is I think like who did it, you know? But that's obviously like we're pretty far away from that territory just in terms of the language but I sort of set out to do that I mean I sort of said okay well once I heard about the story which I became obsessed with it's based in something real yes so this is what happened I was on an airplane and there were these two women in front of me from Michigan and they were talking about this horrible thing and I eavesdrop on everyone always <laughs> so I was like you know I'm always like writing things down that I hear but this was amazing and so I went home and I googled it and it's an actual case and um uh that happened in Michigan not in Hope Michigan but the nearest town and once I found out about the case I became even more obsessed because it's 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 more horrible than anything you can imagine and it's even more horrible than it is in the book I mean it, I just didn't want to make it quite as horrible. Um, but so I could, I kind of wrote the book as a way to, to understand how this could have happened because it was just, I couldn't like wrap my head around it. But I also wanted, I invented the characters. I knew that there were some characters around the situation, but I sort of like invented them. The other thing that was amazing is this, there's an interview with this girl's parents Um who, you know, in the book, it's Dotsie and Lieutenant Colonel Charles, whatever. And they're these amazing, like, very Midwestern, respectable people. And the, the mom was, when they interview her and she's talking about this, she's practically crying, saying, I, I can't find forgiveness for, for these people, and I'm trying so hard to find forgiveness. Like, which I just found mind-boggling that this horrible thing had happened to her daughter, and she was so she was so upset that she couldn't find forgiveness for these people that had done this horrible thing. I mean, I thought that was just, there was such grace to that, that I, I just, I, I kind of became obsessed with them as well. Did you by chance ever, did you go there and research it at all? No, I you? researched it. I've never been to Michigan. You're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, well, that uh, my ex-husband's from, from outside of Detroit, some Clarkston, Michigan. And he said, trust me, you don't, 
you don't need to go. So, it's fucking cold for starting. Right. So I just Googled pictures and images. And if I would get, I didn't, I mean, I knew it wasn't exactly like Nebraska, but I knew that I know what those like Midwestern winters are like. And so I kind of just kept Googling that part of Michigan. It's on the mitt. It's on the side of the mint yeah and i kind of in radio i like to point i like to act things out with my hands so that nobody (laughs) knows what i'm talking about okay so um or in radio in a podcast it's a radio blog as my friend calls it okay so you know i just googled what it looked like around there and then i would google places and names because they always would have much better names than anything i could ever come up with isn't it kind of cool that you can do research these days and not leave your goddamn house? It was great. I mean, I did this weird um, – I did this some sort of book fair, and there was another woman on the – there was a writer on the panel with me, and she was, like, so together. And she was, like, did, like, her hair did and her <laughs> makeup, and she was wearing, like, a blazer and, like, jewelry, you know, just, like, not the frumpy, you know, not like all of us. You just, like, look like we all rolled out of bed. <laughs> and she, you know, and she was, and someone asked her about research, and she was like, yeah, I, you know, f- took two years and flew down to, you know, wherever, the, you know, like some exotic place that sounded really expensive and all of this stuff. And, and then, like, it got to me, and I was like, yeah, I Googled. <laughs> like, I, it's like, you don't have to take these, like, years and expensive trips. Like, now you can just Google image search it's kind of great because i'm writing a thing and i was trying to remember the music of the era and that's like you don't even have to like write, i don't have to go to the library nope i just look 1984 punk bands that's all i had to do well oh really Probably 19- which ones did you come up with uh so obsessed with that i year. was also looking for born again christian mm. punk bands mm, that's a harder category there's not a lot of what is that thing where they put the circles and like this is like oh yeah they had there was actually a, a wikipedia page of all and I'd lot because it, it's there. I, there's not. There can't be. There, and I then I got to the go and listen to them because I forgot what they sounded like. Mm. All fucking terrible. Yeah. No. You. Th- that's like not. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But eighty four was like. Eighty four is a great year in every way for fashion and music and everything. Just in general, Hick is set in eighty four. Oh, that's right. I love eighty four. It's like my favorite year. No, that's because it's that's the one thing too. I kept. I wouldn't say the girl in Hick is she's not a, but you have a, there's actually a lot of broken women in your yeah in the two books yeah that's for sure what is the and I don't Hick know any Hick. not broken women I think or maybe I, I don't write true. about them you know what I mean what like, the hell wants to yeah read about exactly a well she together. was wonderful <laughs> <laughs> she went to yoga and then she had a shake but it's all because <laughs> Hick is Kansas Hick is Nebraska Nebraska yeah how much of Hick was you. Mm, I would say about 50%. What kind yeah. of town were you in, Nebraska? Well, we, we lived what is now considered Lincoln, Nebraska, but was when we were growing up was the outskirts. So we lived in a farmhouse, like outside of town, across from a giant cemetery. And everyone always thought our house was haunted, by the way. Did like, that make you kind of like, did people look at you? Weird, like no, it wasn't like you. We weren't like Boo Radley because no one really knew we lived in that house. But later on, people would be like, "Oh, that house was haunted." And we'd be like, "Yeah, we lived at that house." Like, and it wasn't. I don't believe it was so sort of haunted, actually. <laughs> um, and in fact, my sisters think that I lived in the room that was the most haunted, but I never noticed anything. Did you? But were you just? Were you just a normal, typical kid? No, I was like, well, it was kind of great. Like we had a this old house. It was like a hundred years old farmhouse. And then there was a barn and there was like a shack and there was like a crappy pool. And then there was like acres and acres, like just corn and nothing. And you just run wildly through. So was dad a farmer? No, there was, it was a farm that we rented. My mom and my stepdad rented and there was five of us kids. And so, Five. and my brothers, know. my brothers used to run around like on like this go kart that my stepdad made for them, which was like the most awesome thing for little boys. Like they, they had these, they had their own go karts that they would drive around. And like it's my rosebud. This farm is like my rosebud. Like, yeah, it does oh, sound one like one day. Wh- I'll get that far. Where did you come in in the five? When? What number? Which one do you think? Come on, uh, baby. Yep. There you go. I'm of the course. I'm the baby of five. Yeah, of course. That's so. That's such because all the all true creative geniuses are the youngest <laughs> of five. Is that? How I that? didn't realize that you had five though. Five boys. My wow. mom had. Five boys. Jesus I Christ! Got the shit kicked out of me. I mean, yeah, you must have. It was pretty bad. My <laughs> brothers. My I didn't so much because my sisters were off like 
whatever, like chasing boys and like listening to Led Zeppelin. And my brothers were in their go-karts, but we would go roller skating and my brothers would like send me out to like figure out a way to start a fight that would involve me. Like if like, you know, so like somebody defend your honor. Yeah. Something like that. Like they would, you know, like it was like I was the one to sort of lure in whatever problem was going to happen for them to like try to get in a fight. So they just wanted to fight and you were the catalyst. Yes. That's amazing. Well, which seems strange, but later on in life in Echo Park, we had a bunch of dogs and they had the same system. Like we had this dog named Swope who was like half coyote and she would, she, their system was that she would go out and like, you know, be like this cheerleader and then like the dogs would come in and then the two bigger dogs like Ali and Carl who were German shepherds would like come and try to like. They, they had the, they were organized. That's really interesting. Yeah, mobster dogs <laughs> <laughs> shaking down the the neighborhood dogs. Did that? So did that sort of like growing up in that environment feed into? Because I don't know. I mean, I I didn't grow up on a farm, but I think being the youngest, you just kind of I don't know. I tended to be more of a loner. I think. I yeah, know. I was a loner. Like my 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 sisters were together, my brothers were together, and it was just like me and either the dog or me and my mom or just me like running through the fields like by myself <laughs> did you have not have a lot of friends no because um we we had we moved around a bunch before we moved there so i didn't really you know i did have one friend but her her dad forbade her to be my friend when he found out that my dad was cuban he was like why because like communist no because he was racist oh i didn't i he thought maybe like there's a, he was like a construction worker, and and he was racist against my Cuban dad, who was like a professor at Princeton. He was like, "You're a, no daughter of mine will be friends with a, a well-educated Cuban <laughs> <laughs> with a blonde child of a, a well-educated." Yeah, no, they, she was. Did you get more of that? Did you get much of that? That was the worst incident. That was definitely like the. There was one other girl who I was friends with. Her name was Amiga's mom, and she looked Latina. But that we were like the only Latins in like the whole state. Yeah, you don't look Latin at all. Yeah, no one. I, my my mom, my, that whole side of the family is German American. Like, they've actually been in the country forever. Like my mom's side, I gotta tell you who I'm related to because that's so good. All right. Okay. Um, Wagner. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln and Jefferson Davies, Pocahontas, and the people who invented Maker's Mark. Those are all great Americans, especially <laughs> the Maker's Mark guys. That's ins- like I, my relatives are like people who fought in the IRA, stole pigs, and murdered people. That's my that's my heritage. Ah, I see. Which is also pretty American, really. Yeah, that's very, yeah, it's very much that, yes. Wow, do, do you, are you putting that in your son's head already? Like, hey, you're, you're this, you're all these people? Well, no, because I think, like, it's, I don't want to, you know, the whole thing, you don't want to make your kid think that he's so special that, like, he's going to be a jerk to all the other kids. Like, you want to like you want to make him think that, like, he's great. And also, it's nice to be a good, nice to other people. And if you, like, poison him too much, be like, you're a, you're a whatever it is, then, you know. Yeah. Kids are, what? I don't know. Is it weird for you? Because I feel like it's a really uh, weird time to have kids. You do? Well. But also, by the way, special it is not what it used to mean. Like, if you say you're, like, special doesn't mean what it used to mean. So, like, if I say to Wyatt, like, I said to him once, like, you're so special. He's like, I'm not special. Oh, it means tardo. Yeah. To bring it to a crass level. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to bring it to, it's not the same. I just, like, my concerns would be with, like, I feel like the, uh, how prevalent hardcore pornography is, not for your your kids, like four or five, but like my friend had uh, his son who's probably seven or eight or something like that, asked his, he's like, dad, which one's the pussy? (gasps) And he had to explain to him like, being, but he was like, just so you know, that's not sex. That's not real sex. That's not how it, that's fake. And it's, but I mean, I feel like uh, it's, Really it's crazy. setting a really bad tone for children, and I know right. that I, I don't want to sound like Johnny right wing conservative. Yeah, yeah, but I think people are getting the wrong impression of because they see it at such a young age. They don't. I hope he doesn't see. It. I mean, he's not. They're not supposed to see it at that age. I mean, there's how a old lot is he? He's four. Oh, hopefully not at four. But it's like seven. They're not supposed to see it at that age either. They're not like they're not supposed to see it till they're at least like thirteen. I mean, we you know when I was a kid, we'd find magazines in the you know you'd find magazines in a field. 
a field. That's what the you, first like it, it was. Someone would just like toss their magazine in a field. I think so, or right. like blew away, or right, you know, or I stumbled upon them in my dad's room, and that was, right. which I think was at least healthier because it wasn't like. Yeah, I think that, most kids like that's how they know is like they stumble around girly magazines in their dad's room. You know what I mean? But that's nowadays like, it's stumble around the computer and it's like yeah i guess i'll have to figure that out but i don't think i have to figure it out quite yet no i i I don't think so um but he did you know i mean he didn't you know he knows that he has like a wee wee (laughs) and he knows that like that's private and he 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 thinks that boys have wee wees and girls have woes okay which is a much better word than any other word that's so weird because i still refer to it as a woe <laughs> like i'm gonna i'm gonna pound that woe there is no there are no good words for the girl parts like there's nothing like the other day we were on the playground and this this dad like was saying the real words which i can't even say because they're just sound so weird vagina ah, gross and like and penis like i was like oh you say that to your son I wonder if that's like some kind of like buff, like all right, I'm gonna like like no, I'm gonna make it healthy. It's not. It's like they say that you're supposed to do that, like for some reason. Say I don't. You're supposed words? to say the actual words, but like there is no way I'm gonna say that. Like there's just no way. I can't even. Like I can't. I can't. Unless you're talking, it's a doctor. It's Most so people not still. Fun ref- yeah, nobody refers to their stuff as right. their stuff. Right. My sister's kids say say Willie, and then she she taught her. <laughs> I'm not going to say what she taught her daughter to say, but it was not appropriate for a child. Was it the C? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it was like it was something like hooch or something. Like it was not. Oh, something. Yeah. It was. It was like Some... a cute word, but it wasn't like it wasn't exactly like you wouldn't want your your daughter saying it on the playground because they repeat everything they hear. Yeah, so, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to the book. Oh, right. <laughs> there we but go. Because you were talking about you, the way you were writing it. Was there, when you started it, was there a conscious effort of like, okay, here's the things I did with the first book, and here's what I want to do at this this attempt? There was there was one thing that was very conscious, which is that um, in the real case, some things that happen are a little bit similar to something that happened in Hick. And so I sort of changed it because I didn't want to be like repeating trauma you know what i mean because yeah. i didn't want to be like well is everybody in her books gonna have this thing happen you know what i mean so i i switched that but that wasn't it i mean i definitely i made it someplace cold like hick is in the indian summer you know in august and it's like sweaty and even the like coke bottles are sweating and i so i i made this in like the dead of winter and you know I, so there were those kinds of things yeah it, it, it when you were saying that because i do you notice yourself gravitating towards certain themes and ideas, which I think a lot of people do? I mean, there's there's definitely like a lot of just weird, twisted sex stuff, and there's weird. There's a lot of drinking, you know, and there's like, and there's a lot of broken people. But you know, write what you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if it's giving anything away, but there's the one character. The first time she stumbles across the naked photos and stuff, oh, yeah. but there's sort of the conflict of of being the good person, mm-hmm. but also the sort of the pull of it right. was really interesting to me because I do feel like a lot of the goody goody people in the world don't want to be or they haven't been exposed to it, and when they do, right, it's uh, it must be the Catholic. You know, we were all raised Catholic. Not that I'm Catholic anymore, but I think that if you're Catholic, you ought to It's in your fucking brain. <laughs> yeah, it's like being Jewish. Like, you're just, that's just, you're culturally Catholic in a way, so. Yeah, it's, I, th- I wonder how many things are ingrained in my subconscious just from, because just from that, like, is there, it becomes almost, a, does it become almost genetic that I have to have this guilt? Like, I have days where I feel guilty, and I didn't do a fucking thing. Right, you're just guilty to be living. But what about this? Here's here's something that make that makes you know. Okay, so we were in friend of my my boyfriend and I we were in um, Yalapa, Mexico, and there were some uh, there were some Swedish people there, and they had their adorable Swedish toddler, and you know it was like a beach, a very like private beach. There was like hardly anyone around, and they had like their toddlers like running around totally naked, like no bathing suit or anything, which is totally fine. Like especially if you're from wherever you know sweden or wherever these people are from and europeans yeah and but the catholic in me 
is just like put some clothes on that kid like there's just you know what i mean like that and that's just and i think it's just what about you what would you would you think that too um like come on give that kid a bathing i think depending on the age like i think a little but like i've seen certain people the hippier more people types like where it's like all right man again it's, it's getting weird Right. Like John Lennon did that. You saw pictures of him with his kids, and they were a little too old. It was like. What, how old were they? Uh, 30 and. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, but I mean, I, I thought like Sean, where it's like, you know, if they're nearing 10, put, put some slap They some weren't nearing on. 10. There's no way. I'm saying if they are. Right. I'm not, I can't remember. Right. I don't, I think, well, they become aware of things. Like, so after, around three is like, they're aware. They're aware if you're wearing clothes or they're not wearing clothes. So you have to put clothes on them. What is yeah? What is that? What, what, at is three, that? like at three, they're like, like if you but had a child. What brings that awareness about us? I don't know. It's just like one of those things. God, God, God. <laughs> no, the Almighty. No, but they, they like if you had a child and the child was three at three, and you like your habit was to run around naked, at three, your child would be like, "Why aren't you wearing like put some clothes on, Daddy?" Like they just would. Yeah. Do you? And this, I don't know if this is a cheesy <laughs> question, but it's like, did you notice like? Did having a child affect your writing? Yes, for sure. More sensitive? I think it made me... No, it just made me... It gave me more things to talk about. You know, like there are more things in this book to talk about with Dotsie and with all of that that because I just know, you know, there's just there's just like a... There's just more colors to paint with. You know what I mean? Like I don't... I wouldn't know the emotions of a mom or, you know, Dotsie's basically crazy. Then she gets pregnant and... Her, she, uh, something in her really changes, and you know the, all of the emotions that come along with with all of that. Being a mom, and those are, I mean, I just just wouldn't know them if I hadn't hadn't been through it. Yeah, I thought about that when you were writing about how now you know this is her love, this is her life, that whole mm-hmm. piece about her. Because before that, she's just a boozy old. She's just a boozer. She's just a hot boozer in New York. Yeah, she was real hot. Yeah, oh, but I, that's the other things I really appreciated about the the all the the backstory that you painted of him, of of the lieutenant. The yeah, and, I mean lieutenant her the guy Colonel. and yeah, and even the guy that she dates, the one who breaks her heart. But oh, it's all Edward. these, yeah. and it's just it all. You know, I I felt like it all just sort of bled into the what what it becomes. Right. Well, my sister was made a good point when she was like, they were, she's like, there's such obsessive love, like all the love in it is just completely obsessive. And it's true. I mean, it's like, and in a way, it's like you kind of can't have a good ending when you have all that obsessive love because it's just so warbled and, you know, it's not like real love. It's crazy love. Yeah, that's not, I don't, I mean, I, I having been obsessive love and <laughs> been I mean, in all, all the kinds of love I think I've experienced, like it, right. it's. I mean, that's always just, that's, you know, crash and burn. Yeah, these are people who are like, like they're like, it's like they love someone so much that like they're willing to commit suicide or whatever. You know what I mean? It's not like love. It's it's just, it's just, it's all very like warbled. Yeah, it's temporary insanity love. Yes. Although I heard a good quote the other day, which is, love is madness and insanity that is only curable by marriage. <laughs> Who was that? I don't know, but I thought it was so good. I'll figure it out. It almost it. sounds slightly Bukowski. <laughs> it's, it's not. But Bukowski. I'm an L.A. person, and that's the only author I can reference. All right, there you go. That's how. I mean, it is a, a crime to me how that's how people will be like. That's the only writer they know, and it's like in L.A. There's a lot. Of, I've met a lot of people who are like I love Bukowski. I'm like, <laughs> they're so like, oh, weird. I love to read, and it's like, who do you like, Bukowski? I'm like, and right. <laughs> like, and that's, is that what they say, really? Yeah, I had a neighbor who was in my old apartment that was that was him and then I'd hear him clanking away on a typewriter and drinking a beer at like 10 and I'd like I was like come on man yeah wow was he really on a typewriter yes wow what year was this it was like five years ago oh my god wow I've seen guys at in coffee shops with uh, uh, manual typewriters here that is just too much I walked into a coffee shop in Highland Park there was a angry sort of like tattooed I would not to guess she was probably a lesbian sitting at a cafe chomping on a cigarette manual typewriter to the table next to her was a guy in a leisure suit with a hat and i'm not kidding you a large 80s editing vhs or like editing machine editing of and i'm like if no one would believe me if i told this no did you take a picture you had no it was before that was i you know oh man 
But now that would be there's some coffee shop and it doesn't exist anymore. And I was with my friend. I was like, if you weren't with me, no one would believe this story. Oh my god, that's crazy! Holy moly! That it's sad to say that that garbage does exist in L.A. Well, I just think it's a little bit strange, like that you would. I mean, all of that is ridiculous. I mean, if I saw somebody with an old-fashioned type, I mean, come on, they're also very heavy. Yeah, but it's and I wish I could say I've only seen I've seen that several times. You next time you see it, you have to take a picture. Next time I will. And it's also it's like, hey, dude, people are here reading. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a, annoying. Like click, click, click. Like what? I don't even think like Kafka took his cof- his typewriter to a coffee shop. My dog is obsessed with you. No, it's okay. He's very sweet. Um, now did you yes. did you formally study writing? No, this is a conversation I have with every writer. Oh, good. No, I didn't. I went. I went, I mean, I I majored in English literature, but that was like reading books and writing obscure like papers about I mean it was like all semiotics and like you know deconstruction so it was like papers that if I read them now I wouldn't even know what I was saying um and then I did an MFA at UCSD but that was in theater yeah so I don't have any form of writing it's funny because every I've talked to all my favorite writers and living or dead tend to have not formally studied you know why that is? Because they lived? Because I think if you really love writing, the worst thing you could do is take a writing class. Because, like, basically, then you have, like, ten other jerks, jerks like, reading your writing and, and critiquing it. And then the, the teacher, whoever that fucker is, and they're all, they've all got their opinions. And, like, they're probably wrong, 50-50. Maybe they're right. But, like... By the end of even one class, you're, you'll never pick up a pen again or you'll a be, typewriter. Yeah. You know, like you'll just be like, oh, I suck. Plus, it's like all the great writers were out in the world doing stuff. It's like right. they weren't in, sitting in classrooms. No, they weren't. It's really bizarre that people think that, like, I'm going to go get a master's right. and then I'm going to write this great novel. Right. And it's like, you're probably not going to do it. Well, that was something like when I graduated from UCSD, which was like 97, where it was my MFA, and I came to LA. I specifically decided to be like to explore a demographic outside of my own so basically there's like lost years from 1997 to 2007 <laughs> and i was just like what were what were some of these explorations was it like I'm were, gonna... I, there was some pretty good research going on is that what we're calling it yeah we call it research <laughs> <laughs> was... most of that research took place in glasshall park and pubs not so much in pubs actually that's how down and dirty the research was not in pubs. Drug houses? I don't know what they were. All I know is they were in Glassell Park when, like, nobody, like, you wouldn't go to Glassell Park. Like, it was like. Did you, you must have gone ever, you must have ended up in some. What? Dangerous situations? Well, we, the good thing is my, my boyfriend and I, my, he was actually my fiance. He was an old, he was a film director who had, like, completely crashed and burned his career. And we lived on the street called James Street. And we were the only people on the street who were not, like, Mexican gangbangers. And that was, like, there was these guys on that street, Gino, Tino, and Esteban, who were, like, maybe I shouldn't say this, but whatever. The, there were these guys named Fritz, Frack, and, and whatever that, like, they, it was just not a, a good street. And there was, like, a lot of bad activities going on around us. And were you, like, palsies with these people? Yeah, I mean, they were like, they would come over. And like, here's the best quote from that time. And this is an actual quote. Hey, I'm not going to say my ex fiance's name. But I'll, I'll say, I'll call him Charlie, okay? This is the best quote for that era. Okay, I'm going to knock. I'm just going to do it, okay? Here. Here's the quotation mark, opening quotes. Who is it? Hey, Charlie. Charlie, let me in. The cops, they want me for murder, but I didn't do it. That's a real quote. Did you let him in? Yeah. He was our friend. <laughs> he didn't do it, but like he was in a lot of trouble. Cause, but he, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, there were, there was like occasions where people would, I mean, it was bad. It was bad. It's interesting because I lived in very similar neighborhoods and they never, embr- they, you know. They, they never embraced you. They didn't f- screw with me. Like I never got mm-hmm. hassled. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. Because I think they were like, oh, this guy must not be doing well in life if he's <laughs> if he's white and in this neighborhood. But they didn't like – they were never like – Even the friends. people in my building were never like, hello, at the mailbox. They right. were just like, 
cold stare, and I was like, all right. right. No, no. This was like they would like come, they were like coming over. They were our friends. They would, you know, it was like it was like a it was it was like they would open like open door like situation. Like we were like totally like no one would have fucked with us because we were on the street and we were friends with these with these people so you kind of had insurance a little bit oh yeah it was like the safest place i've ever lived i mean it was like we would sleep with the doors open interesting i know i didn't i never slept with my doors open in los angeles in east los (laughs) in east los I actually, I probably passed out with like my feet sticking out of my apartment. Right. I'm sure Park we did me. that. I'm sure we did that too. Actually, actually, I'm positive I yeah. did that. Yeah, but there were a lot of ways that I learned in that time that people can do drugs. Like I, I had like very sort of um, bougie ideas about the way that people did drugs, and like that, like there was like a whole new level of drug taking that I and like ways to consume drugs that I, I had, I had no idea existed. Until that that street, like other than the traditional, like other than the traditional, like what you see in movies, you know. Like what were some of the non-traditional? They were very involved. <laughs> I mean, they were very. Let me put it this way: I could never look at um, steel wool, um, ammonia, or um, you know when you go to the um, gas station and they're selling those little roses, like those little roses. Yeah, with the glass in, in the, the glass pipe. Like oh, they, they would turn those into pipes. That's what those are for. Oh, that really? They just that's... yeah, like no, like having you ever thought like oh, I never knew these little roses in a glass pipe were so popular. That's what they're for. They're crack pipes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, now now you know. Like any anytime you go somewhere and you see those, it's like oh, those are they're just selling crack pipes here. What do they do with the steel wool? Um, that is involved in some system with the ammonia, and that like all goes together. It's like a whole system. And did you ever be like? Sure, I'll give it a try. No, I got like the the crack in the heroin. I got the memo, like don't do those things ever. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, you know, but like they were all happening. I mean, and there were even other more elaborate. There was like some guy who's who could would like smoke meth out of a gas tank. Like they were, it was all very elaborate. Yeah, my friend saw a dude <laughs> smoke meth out of a broken light bulb, and I was like, what? <laughs> oh and it was a guy who gave him a tattoo on top of it. <laughs> like, oh it was, my god, that's so legit. Yeah, it's real street wow, stuff. Oh, that's some serious. The most legit thing that ever happened besides that quote was when these two guys showed up at our next door neighbor. We had like this Estonian girl that lived next door who was also kind of crazy. And um, she her, she was going out with one of the guys from the neighborhood too. And like the, the weirdest thing we ever saw was two of the guys that we sort of knew from the neighborhood showing up at her door at like three in the morning for – you know, shelter, and they were, like, covered in blood. Holy shit. Yeah. It was really like, oh, my God. I don't, I'm trying to think if I saw uh, – I think you, you kind of taught me on my, my living yeah, in no. shitty street places. And no, I've lived I, in some shitty ones. I'm sure. This was, this, was, this was really the deal. This was the deal. It was like no, my, no one in my demographic was supposed to be on the street. <laughs> when were you like, all right, I, I've had enough? Was well, it? one of the guys, the one that was our friend, he was like, he, okay, so he was, he was in this family, and he, he was sort of like the, the really nice one. He had a shaved head and a mohawk, but he was, the, he was the nice one. And he, there was like some time we were there, it was like a Tuesday morning or something. Like the but the wee hours like it was a Tuesday morning that was like Monday leftover, and um and he was just sort of like, you're too good for this street <laughs> like you should get out of here like he was basically like, what are you doing here, what's wrong with you <laughs> like, you he gonna, was like what's wrong with you that you're on your this street yeah you're gonna take a stray bullet in one of those you know yeah no he was like he was like basically like protect like he was basically saying you should get out of this neighborhood before you get killed yeah like the first neighborhood i lived in in la like I, the helicopter and the spotlight was like in my bedroom window i was like oh this dude is outside my window oh my god really <laughs> and that happened twice and then like i think it was a pretty heavy gang and like i'd come wow. home in the that street was an echo park this was actually in north hollywood i lived oh, there wow. for a few months when i first moved here and it was like the by far the worst neighborhood i've ever lived in where was it in oxnard and tahunga Oxnard and wait, so is like, like off the one seventy? Oh, so it's like way up there. Yeah, it gets really dicey up it there. It got and there was like blocks that were just abandoned buildings. Like it was, I yeah. remember having a friend come over once and he was like, he looked around the neighborhood and he's like, oh, like it was just he, you could tell he didn't want to say it, but he was like, oh, things aren't going well. <laughs> <laughs> 
things have really taken a turn, Dwyer. Well, so wait, so Dwyer, did you, so what, how long did you live in that Quabby North Hollywood? I lived there for just like four to six months, something like that. It was like I got here and I lived there for a while right. and then, uh, like they kept slashing my tires, like because oh. I think it was like gang parking, right. but they didn't tell you. Oh, they they don't have signs for that. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but there was always like a guy or two sitting out front of the building across the street, so uh. you knew. And it was at any hour, so you knew something was. Wow, off. so that was really, but it wasn't. It didn't have the like homey feeling of the Echo Park gangs. No, they they it didn't, and, and you kind of just didn't know, like. Mm-hmm. You would find, like, once in a while, like, I'd see a guy run through my yard, like, with a car stereo. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, stuff like that happened all the time. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I lived in shitty neighborhoods in Chicago, so I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Right. And they never screwed with me, so, except for my tire slashing. That it's was... not the arrangement, though, in Echo Park, because Echo Park, it's like, there's gang bangers, and then there's, like, cool kids. And it's like, the, it's like there's a truce there. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, they gotta, I would think they would hate hate them a little bit because it's like you're, they're kind of pushing the cool kids are pushing them out i don't know how much they're pushing them out really i mean maybe definitely in silver lake by the way how many places in silver lake do you think there could be like a mom and pop place that gets like r- gets like the rent raised and then like they move out and then there's an apothecary i really i it's uh, insane i wish there was kind of laws about that a little bit like el conquistador yeah, which is like this gone. classic Gone, but not forgotten. What is it, 50 years or something? 50 years. And, and then it's just like some rich asshole's like, fuck I off. I know. It's awful. That's, That's worse awful. than like, you know, Walmart. That's just as bad as Walmart moving in and being like. No, it's awful. It's, and that place was amazing. And the guys who worked there since they were teenagers. I know. That and was it's a like, crime. what is that guy? What is that 50 year old, 60 year old waiter? Where's he going to go work? I know. I know. Maybe El Compadre. I'd hope so. I hope so, too. I mean, I love that place. Those drinks were strong. Those margaritas were really strong. I know. I haven't gone to Echo Park since I left. I barely go there and hang out anymore. Really? No? It's over? Between you and Echo Park? Uh, Yeah. I get now. I'm I'm old, so I go there and I I get angry because some guys dress like Stevie Nicks. No, here's the deal. (laughs) If you are are surrounded by guys who are either from the 1980s or the 1890s, you're in Echo Park. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's what somebody was saying about Brooklyn. It's like, oh, you go to a yard sale, but they can't just have a yard sale. They have to have like, they have to have a jug band playing for their. Like, <laughs> Are just, you serious? Yeah, that's what. And my, he was like, it's awful. Like they just, you can't yeah. do anything without it being like, oh, let's have a accordion player. <laughs> An accordion player. But now, oh, because oh, you mentioned too, you mentioned that uh, how like that this is already possibly being movie interest. Yes. Now we when have you an offer. Because of Hick, mm-hmm. when you write this book, are mm-hmm. you like, are those wheels turning at all in your head a little They're bit? They're turning a little bit, but like if they turn too much, you're done. Like you're dead. You're just gonna write garbage. You know what I mean? Like so, they like they turn a little bit. Like I think like okay, well, I mean I, actually, if they were turning more, I think this would be an easier book to adapt because now it's like I'm gonna have to adapt it, and I'm like, what the fuck did I write? Like this is impossible to adapt. But um. But they, you know, they turn a little bit and like, okay, well, I, you know, this is this is the page two, this is the hook or whatever. But I think it's more like I feel like the story structure in this, even though it's kind of confusing, is still better than in Heck because there are there are because of doing the film Heck. Like I realized, like, oh, you know, we we're gonna need a little more architecture here. Like this needs to be like this, and how do I keep them interested? And I need to sort of like, you know, like there's more, there's just more of a like three act structure. In this than there is, it's actually a five act structure, but it's the same. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Then there isn't Hick. Hick kind of like now I look at Hick and I'm like, wow, that really goes off the rails. <laughs> like, the book or the movie? Both, but well, I can't say that. But I'm not gonna say anything bad about it. But like, I just feel like there's, like you know, I'm learning, and I feel like this is this is a better in terms of the structure is better than Hick. Now when you and you're gonna adapt this book as well well who knows i mean i've been asked to by these people who are optioning it and they're pretty big people like the girl that wants to play beth is like a person that everybody knows and and which was kind of funny honestly i have to tell you this okay so here's this so these they they call me and they're like you know we want you to have a conversation about you know about the book with so-and-so right but i i they just say the first name of so-and-so 
And so I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I have this phone call on Friday and like 10 minutes before the phone call, I think like, oh, I should probably Google these fuckers and see who they are and, you know, what their qualifications are. So I Google and I'm like, oh, oh. And like one of the one of the people that is in the production company is, is pretty well known. So I'm in the middle of the conversation, but I'm still thinking they're just going to produce it. So I'm in the I'm in the phone conversation and like in the middle, she's like, you know, I hope you don't mind if I play Beth, if, if I want to. Do you think that would be OK? And I'm like, obviously, like, of course, you know. But if I hadn't have done the research 10 minutes before the phone call, I would have been like, well, what kind of experience <laughs> do you have? Like, I would have made such a fool of myself. It would have been like unbearable. That's yeah. See, that's a different. I've learned the hard way in L.A. too. It's like. When you are working with a celebrity and they're giving you notes on a script, mm -hmm. there isn't like, oh, yeah, well, I feel like and this is what the, mm -hmm. there's like there's no like mm -hmm. there's no debate. Right. I right. don't know if that's but in my no, and I, mean, I found that out afterwards where people were like, oh, no, you do what they say. Otherwise, don't, you don't have anybody attached. Right. That's true. Well, luckily, she I liked the things that she was saying. She was like very smart, which and like she's very smart. And she had very good ideas. So I was like, oh, OK, this is good. You know? Yeah. Mostly and often they do, but I just no, there was no, certain things. No, they don't always. They don't always, you yeah. know. And so this was like a nice thing. It was like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah. Like, Did you read the Thomas Lennon book on screenwriting? No. What does he say? Oh, they just go into a number. Like they out who they'll be like this fucking idiot, <laughs> <laughs> and like don't ever work with this. Like they are really. If I had it, I'd lend it to you. Oh but my like, god. It's What's really, it called? Uh, I forget. Something about writing screenplay and making money. All right, I have to find it. It's this really guy. fun because they will go into detail stories of like so and so fell asleep in a meeting. <laughs> like, oh, I and then have woke to up it. and was like, oh, that was great. Like, <laughs> after table read. <laughs> and they, is everybody's such a names. Hollywood story. But yeah, the, the screen, like, the, uh, them adapting it too. Like, if somebody didn't want, if no one got any offers, would you be like, oh, fuck, I screwed up? No, I would just be like, I, I think I would actually think like, okay, well, it's probably going to be a couple of years because there's so many, I just, I feel like being in LA, you know, you kind of can't swing a dead cat without running into some sort of producer or somebody who wants to be a producer who's like, hey, can I option your book? You know, so I just feel like it, it's, and like so many people are out of ideas, you know what I mean? There's just like, so I think that, but you know, maybe that's a ridiculous thing to say. I don't know. I just think being in LA is helpful. Yeah, as a, a, a novelist, because I think people are like, "Can I have your book?" Because <laughs> I have nothing. But like, is that? Do you want to continue doing novels? Because if I'm not mistaken, you've written a screenplay other than Hick, or am I nuts? Didn't you get asked to? No, I well, no, I wrote a comic book series, which is like I'm supposed to write the screenplay for that, but I'm but there's also like this weird legal thing going on with that because two different people think that they own it, so it's like. It's like I'm not like in a any big hurry to write it because I just feel like it's just going to be part of this long legal battle and will never get made. Is that the thing with Alice Cooper? No, that that that. <laughs> I don't know why I had to say that so quietly. I don't know why do we where do we whisper about Alice Because I don't Cooper. know if people need to, we're supposed to know about Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. No, but you worked with Alice Cooper, right? No, I met Alice Cooper because he there was this comic book company for a very small time called Dark Matter. And they asked for me to write this comic book series called Super Rat. And there was a guy that worked there, this great guy, Tom Shepard, who I loved, who edited it, and who would be a great person to direct it if it, you know. But that, that company went under. But those people that own that company, like they, they will, like let's say I write Super Rat as a screenplay. Those people would like, come running you know like they would be like give us money and it's the whole thing is just so it's kind of gross so you're going to keep going back to books always yeah it's so much more fun to write a book than to write a screenplay do you find creatively it's a lot more is it more liberating yes it's like it's so much fun i mean i just feel like you know i can sit like running a screenplay i sort of feel like it's like a task in a way as whereas i feel like writing a book is just just feels great. Plus, you don't. I mean, 
structurally you can kind of run a little bit more wild. Yeah. You can run a lot more wild in general. Right. You can. You can just be like, what? You, and you also can have like, I, like I feel like I have a feel for it. Like, oh, this thing happened in this chapter. Now let's leave them with this. And then like, and then the next day I'll go back and I'll say, okay, now what would be like a good, interesting thing to do now? And like, where would, where do we, where do we need to go now? And what would be an interesting way to do that? And it's just, it's just much more fun than like, screenwriting also when you write a novel you don't have to worry about uh, budget <laughs> yeah there's no i mean that's the other thing it's like i guess like you can just do whatever you want and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff yeah it, it kind of drives me nuts because somebody said something about this podcast and they're like hey have you found a hook like it's just one more hook or this kind of hook what kind of hook i, fuck, what are you I don't supposed know to talk do? to people about brownies or maybe something maybe you need more bells <laughs> maybe you but they were like, like oh maybe you could turn it into a tv show and i'm like i don't know do I do we have to think of it that way? Does it I, I think a TV show would be horrible. Yeah, I, mean, I just because then everybody have to get dolled up. Yeah, I don't want that. I, if it were me and it was a TV show, I'd just be staring at the camera the whole time, like Sidney Brady on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's weird that every, that especially in this town, that's like nothing. I've talked to other novelists about this too, where it's like it's they're like it's great if you get option because it's a payday, right? But. The fact that it's in a weird way, people are always like, "Hey, did your thing get option?" And it's like, right? What, like that? It's not a valid piece of art until, all right, until some and somebody make guy f- comes until, along and, and guts it. <laughs> yeah, and guts it, and is like, "Hey, this would be great, but can you make the can you make the fifty year old woman twenty five and yeah, yeah, and that's oh, fuck. I, like put that? it this way with Hick. Like when I was writing Hick the novel, I was like, "Oh, this part Glenda would be like." You know, like in my mind, it was somebody like Jessica Lange, you know, just like an amazing, you know, somebody that age and with that kind of, you know, whatever, Jessica Langness, I suppose. And like, who ends up in the movie playing that part? Blake Lively. Like, you know. I can't do what, I've seen your movie too, I can't figure. She's Glenda, the, the, the one that's Oh, not, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like, I mean, that's, and that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's Hollywood, but do you feel like the the world of like publishing and, and novels is becoming a? Do you feel like that's getting watered down at all, or do you feel like it's there's not still getting watered down? It's just that people are interested in different genres. You know what I mean? Like it's like literary fiction is like this. It's weird because it's like what everybody supposedly respects, but it's also like the least payday. And like, you know, people want like YAs. They want like they want airplane books you know they just those 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 houses like the big houses like they just want they they want money makers and they kind of need them in a way yeah I, I, I get yeah and there's so many and i've talked about this like niche books of like here's my wacky memoir but it's got this like i you know i grew up with a watermelon head like right, <laughs> right. and i i just but like i saw this quote by philip roth the other day and god knows he's not the most positive human being on earth but he was saying like in a decade or something like that, uh, like fiction novel, fiction novels will be have this audience that like Latin, Latin yeah. poetry has. <laughs> I I see I see what he's saying. I mean, people just don't read literary fiction the way they'll read like, oh, this this book about a hilarious series of dating stories. You know, like people, they want things like. The money makers are like things like Bridget Jones Diaries and like whatever, you know, obviously the J.K. Rowling, you know, they just they want the big books because, you know, only weirdos like us read literary fiction. I just I'm I, there's always that hope within me of, with all things film and that there will be this renaissance and resurgence of like, here's really great instead of right. like I saw something the other day of how many movies now are adaptations or remakes mm-hmm. opposed to completely new. And I'm like, you can't tell me there's not a gazillion screenwriters in this town who have an original idea. I know. It's, but it's amazing like how when something is original. How people it, jump over it? Well, just how shocking it is. Like when I, went, when I saw her, I was like, fuck. This. I haven't seen it. It's great. I was like, oh, wow. Somebody had an original idea and like made something really cool. Also, by the way. No, I'm not going to say it. But the Lego movie, I took Wyatt to see the Lego movie. What's great about it is it's actually like very subversive. Really? For a Lego movie, yeah. Well, like, some of those kids' movies are actually quite... Yeah. No, the writers are like really very smart. Like, I mean, you would laugh. Like Wally and all that stuff. No, it's much better. 
Really? Yeah, it's much better. Forgive me, I have allergies. Oh, it's okay. Are you allergic to me? I am. I'm allergic to everything. Really? Yeah. Are you allergic to fun? Maybe, but don't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad you're on a podcast so people couldn't have seen that funny face you just made. They, they. What would you it. call that face? Like a lazy, smiley face? Lazy smug. <laughs> lazy smug. Uh, and no, so this, the kids, what made you what, write a young adult? Is that, was that, yeah, what made you do that? I was going to project My your answer. My manager at the time was like, you know what? Why don't you just write a YA? And I was sort of like, this was so dark. Barry, this was so dark. Jesus. Are your neighbors, they must weigh like That was the front pounds. door. Oh, but okay. the upstairs neighbors are probably each about 250. Do you think they're going to like fall through your ceiling at some point? Probably. Wow. They bang around. They, the guy whistles constantly. He whistles. He whistles. They yell at the television. It's <gasps> like. It's, what do they yell at the television about? They like cheer with it and laugh oh and like, what? Like they, they, they interact with it. Like it's. Wow. There's. The one guy seems kind of like he looks like a Michael Palin character, like like a like Palin playing a dumb guy. <laughs> oh wow, really? Yeah, yeah. They're nice, but they're just like they're just not all there. Maybe are they watching sports and yelling at the no, screen? No, I think they because they'll laugh and stuff. I think they just I I can't imagine they watch really anything intelligent. Wow, I wish I could hear them screaming. It'll probably happen. Okay, what did you young, ask? at the young adult book? At the okay, so. So after Barry this, I was sort of like, oh, God, I'm so depressed. This movie, You know what I mean? It, it was just so dark that I had to write something light in a way to just kind of like exercise it. And but, then, why, but the YA is not that light either because that's based on a story that actually happened that when I was in high school that is like really dark. But it's then, still lighter than Barry this. And is that, is that finished? Mm-hmm. That's the one coming to a bookstore near you on September 2nd. You're prolific. You're pr more prolific than a lot of people I know. Thank you. I will take that compliment. What is after – do you know what's next after yes, the YA? Because – okay, so Barry, this just came out. Is right? YA what you, you call a woman's penis? <laughs> YA. Is that a YA, yeah. YA? Men have, have – have wait, what did I – men have wee-wees and women have young adult novels. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I explain it to Wyatt. <laughs> he okay. understands perfectly. Uh, so, but is now are you entering into another serious dark book? Or? No, no. Okay, because I, HarperCollins gave me a two book deal. Ooh, so now I have you to are fucking another, fancy. No wonder why you're moving to WeHo. No, <laughs> shut up! Don't say that. Don't don't say it. No, that's not why I'm moving. I, I'm very sad that I'm moving, but I'll move. I'm moving back to the neighborhood in like five years. Okay, so. So they gave me a two book deal. So I had to write another one, and then and then after that, I'm gonna I'm I'm already writing that next literary fiction. Can you? Yeah, I was gonna out. say, can you? Though you have a two book deal, can you skip and write another book and then get back to them, or you got to well, get it over with? No, I mean what's happening is I'm writing that book. Like I'm basically halfway through that book, the other YA, and that that also has to do with something more serious than a normal YA. It's not like, you know. Does Chucky love me? I don't know. <laughs> like it's not like that. Um, but but then this next one, the literary fiction is is like I'm putting it together. It's like this thing. You know, there's like this North Dakota oil boom going on. I like, no, I didn't. No, there's like this. There's like it's like the Wild West in North Dakota right now. There's like this oil boom going on, and it's like everybody's like making so much money like everybody's making crazy amounts of money so there's all this money up there now like and there's like roughnecks and there's like like so there's all these these current like businesses like drug businesses and brothels and that's a just, ya no that's the, <laughs> that's the literary fiction that's the one that's, that's a great idea that's the that's the that's what i'm writing i'm <clears throat> setting my character in there now with your ya are you like, oh man, maybe I get a franchise, at, like uh, whatever that? I don't know. I mean, stuff is that the kids like. I don't know. Who knows? I I just I feel like because of what happened with Hick and the movie and how it was like everyone was like, yeah, you know, you're going straight to the top, baby. There's no stopping you. And then after Toronto, how it was like, everyone was just like, it was just like crickets. Like now, I just I just, I just try not to get attached to any outcome. Yeah, the worst things ever. People told me about one thing I had is like, and like I was, I was repped by crazy, and they're like, "Oh man, on paper you're a millionaire." <laughs> like, and right. I was like, yeah. and I was like, "Fuck, this is it." This, yeah. is, and then it was like, 
the next thing I knew, I was like one day holding a red notice for my electric bill <laughs> and like being told like, yeah, right. it's going on the back burner. And I like had almost had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. No, it's like if you get a, like a two attached to any outcome, it's especially when it has to do with any of this, like you'll just you'll, you'll go just, crazy. You'll go crazy. You'll kill yourself. You know, you just can't do it. So to to wind up, where yeah. can people find Bury This at your local bookstores, I'm they sure? Can, you can find it at Skylight Books. You can find it at BookSoup. But, but, or you can find it at Amazon, obviously. Yeah, because I have listeners all over the world, by the way. Okay, I have a so, growing listenership in Ireland, oddly enough. Well, you can buy this in England. I don't know if you can buy it in Ireland. Probably Amazon, though. Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's over there on Amazon. On the Kindle, too? Yes, and it's in Germany, too, already. And. Damn. Is yeah. it translated? No. I don't know how you would translate anything I wrote. This would be kind of impossible. Okay. What about and Twitter? Oh, Andrea Portis. Uh, Twitter. And yeah. uh, website or any of that garbage? There is a website, I think. It's just my name, Andrea Portis. Yeah. And uh, also probably at, uh, who did you say published your book? Um, well, this one is Soft Skull. So- Soft Skull. And then the next one's HarperCollins. So probably but everyone find can find me on Facebook or Twitter. It's just okay. me. I, I hope you enjoyed this. I did enjoy it. I thought it was fantastic. I hope I didn't like more for you. I thought it was great. I think it was better than the first time. You were. No, really? Yes. Wow. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I hope uh, you enjoyed that. It was a really great conversation. Do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer at Twitter.com. You can email me at Conversations with Dwyer. Write a review for me on, uh, on the iTunes there. Give me five stars. Say something pretty about me say that i am pretty also um donate money if you can please i beg you there's there go to my feral audio page donate some money if you can't afford to donate money buy some shit on amazon and send that to me just send it i get a kickback you don't have to send me stuff on amazon i just get a kickback of that money listen to the other shows on feral audio thank you very much god bless you and that's the god of your choice National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.